0: Captain Picard, priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure
1: channel. Am I ready, room
0: Welcome to the Ready Room, the only, longest-running, finest-produced, finest-acted, finest-recorded, finest-everything Star Trek Next Generation Rewatch Podcast. My name is Mitchell Mills, Chief Consultant in the Services of Paramount, and with me is my life partner, Brandon Hobbs. Together, we're bringing you behind-the-scenes lore every week to your hear- earphones, in your phone, in your living room, out on your walks, anywhere you want to take us. We're here for you. Give you the lore.
1: Brandon, how are we doing today? Doing wonderful. And uh, might I add that we are the foremost gatekeepers of Star Trek The Next Generation. This is true. Consider that gate Uh, kept. mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Ensigns, rest assured that no one will be breaking through the gate on our watch. No. No. I mean,
0: if you've ever had somebody kind of waxing long and tall at a party about how they're such a big... TNG fan, but they don't know Picard's middle name, and you just mm-hmm. you're just sitting there like, "I want to ask you what Picard's middle name is." Then, this is the show for you. We got your back.
1: Yeah, you you ask what their favorite episode is, and they say, they all, say of oh, oh, all of them all of them, um, or or maybe the the trouble with tribbles. Oof,
0: I I that's that's a, it's a real story right there. <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll tell it one day should one should have come up but we don't let those kinds of people in our fandom if you haven't cut your teeth on seasons 1 and 2 of TNG we don't even want you mhm but luckily that's what we're helping you with right now yeah so so we're enabling these gate these these uh gate
1: reachers well you know by, by 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 informing them and instructing them, we are kind of assimilating them. Ah. Well, that's, a, that's a good word. Where'd you hear that word? Um, From uh, Q-Who. Ah. Wait, Q-Who? Yeah, wait. Q-Who? I'm just a Q without a who. And so... Basically, what we're doing here is we're teaching to gatekeep. So as opposed to these other Trek podcasts that, that, you know, they probably get on air and say things like, oh, you know, everyone's welcome in the fandom. That's just not true. Um, Patently we, false. We're not doing that here. I
0: think anybody who's ever done the con circuit like we have knows that you can't let just anybody in to your right, your right. social group
1: definitely there's definitely
0: tons of people have come up to me at the signing table and all i could think was man i wish i could maintain a gate that would prevent you from interacting with me
1: (laughs) or touching me yes um or or me having to smell you god there's so Um, many people it's like oh
0: mitch let me let me do an arm around the shoulder photo
1: yeah well you know what it is i mean you the the fans, and, you know, we, we love our ensigns, but uh, sometimes um, it's easy as a fan to think, you know, after having listened to hours and hours of someone talk, um, to think that you're friends with them, right? And, um, you know, you know us, but we don't really know you. Um, it's so parasocial. Yeah, so um, d- surprise hugs, maybe not, you know? No, if, um, here's a tip
0: to, I know, our less socially graceful audience. Um, here's a tip. If somebody is minding their own business with an entire carton of of coffees that they're getting for themselves and friends, that is not the time to bear hug them from behind. (laughs) Certainly
1: not. Certainly not. Um, nor is it the time to stretch your arms out and, um... Shout fire blast and and ram them from behind
0: i uh, I wish I understood what that was. It's such a vexing experience.
1: Mhm, yeah, I don't think we're ever going to get the answer to that no, no,
0: but just be if you have a little voice in your head and yeah, should I the answer's always no and if you mm-hmm. if you follow mm-hmm. that truism, you'll be fine and uh don't introduce yourself to us as Captain Kirk, no. Well, anything Captain Kirk adjacent—the Captain Kirk, the other—it's just—it's very strange. Yeah. Unless your name is Kirk and you're the captain of a maritime vessel, um, that's acceptable. That's just true. How many?
1: How many of those do you think there are in the world? There's got to be at least one Captain Kirk out there. I imagine there's there's probably
0: three, and they fall into two groups. There's one of them. Is very very into the joke, where he's he's he, maybe is tangentially aware of Star Trek, but he maybe he enjoys it. Mm-hmm. But it's it tickles him to say, "Yeah, I'm Captain Kirk," because he he knows. Mm-hmm. And then there's the other guy, who everybody asks him, oh, "Cap like Star Trek," and he just hates it, <laughs> just can't stand it.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, you have no idea how much grief I get about my name, Brandon Hobbs. Oh my god! I can. Oh. I, wait, where is Calvin? Right, right, right. Um, I know, I know. Every now and then you would get Mitchell smells. This is true.
0: I'm especially in grade school. Yeah. These yeah. days, they, I mostly <laughs> get M jokes.
1: Ah, that's that's true. That's true.
0: Yeah, and it's it's terrible because I can never figure out if they're making like an M the rapper joke. Or M M&M and M chocolate joke because the M M&M and M chocolates come in plastic wrappers. Ooh, mm. yeah. Well, which one would you rather be? Um, what color M M&M and M are we talking?
1: Well, <laughs> um, I know there's going to be lots of opinions on the different colors here. Um, I don't. I don't know. I is is there is there a color M M&M and M that you would rather be? I'd rather be the blue one,
0: which doesn't get the most screen time. Which is kinda of why I like it. I absolutely could not do yellow. I I hate peanuts. What about what about the green? Mm, maybe uh maybe if I owned more thigh high socks I would want to be the green <laughs> M M&M. M. Now I could I could just be Marshall Mathers. That would be fine. I wouldn't be so proud of the D twelve situation, but aside from that, I uh I could handle it. Mm-hmm. It, it would and at least
1: your initials would be the same.
0: That's true, and I I would have the same amount of Oscars.
1: Yes, yes. So that's so a nothing point. really changes. A
0: lateral move at best. Yeah, I would yeah. be a little bit less well regarded by the ensigns. I think that the overlap between Star Trek fans and Eminem fans are is pretty low conversely the mm-hmm. overlap of star trek fans and m&m's candy fans <laughs> is pretty high
1: <laughs> it certainly is <laughs> all right and so
0: speaking of those ensigns we got a fine question of the week from from one of them rolling in on the tides right. washing up on our shores um this, so this week's question of the week comes from Ensign Shoji, who lives in Abu Dhabi, of all places. He says, hey Mitch, Brandon, or uh, Ensign here. What are your thoughts on Japanese cuisine, in particular, yakiniku? Any, are, are admins foodies? Thanks for everything you do, Shoji. It's a great question. Well. Wow. I, um, I, I know that uh, you have pretty strong opinions on this and... I know that I have pretty strong opinions on this. So Shoji kind of cut right to the heart of um, our, you know, relationship
1: strife here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, um, very, very, uh, very good observational skills on, on Shoji's part here. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how he, he figured this one out, but uh, um, well, let's 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 hear it, Mitch. Yaki for those not in the know
0: for the ensigns at home, uh, is is barbecue. Grilled meat, literally. And in Japan, there's a slightly different style to the restaurant. You go in, you order the meat, it comes uncooked, there's a grill at your table, you grill it yourself, and you eat it. And there's, like, you know, dipping sauces, you can order a variety of vegetables and other things, too. It sounds great. And it's pretty good. If I'm going by flavor alone, it's pretty good. I can never... Mm -hmm. I can't lie about that. However, the ratio of how of flavor to cost is just completely skewed. Yakiniku is expensive. And it just... (laughs) It's not that bad. It does not taste good enough to justify the cost.
1: You go to a cheap place and it's like all you can eat for 3,000 yen. You go to a cheap place and it's not that good. No, it's fine. It's still
0: like good though. It's You're not, not getting like god awful meat or anything. It's not unedible, but it's not great. It's just I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's poor. I would not say that yakiniku restaurants survive as a concept in societies with a regular meat diet, like a daily meat diet. And that's my theory that yakiniku in Japan, because they don't eat generally eat meat every day for every single fucking meal like Americans do. Mm-hmm. Um, it has more of a special air about it. People are willing to pay higher prices,
1: and it's um, it's an event. Well, it's it's funny you say that because yakiniku is actually kind of coming up in in America. It's kind of a kind of a my boom. No way um, for everyone recently. Yeah, so, is, is that your my boom too? Um, it's not really my my boom, but mm. it's everyone else's my boom. I see. So um, and and like you said, it is the experience. So I think even though you you know. Americans eat a lot of meat. Uh, they're still going to these yakiniku places because they get to sit down at at the big table and cook their food and I just and, don't uh, get it cause make a night of
0: it. Most 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 Americans that live in suburbs or rural areas have barbecues. Like they can just do that at home. It's not it shouldn't be special to them.
1: I don't yeah, know. but you're not getting the same kind of kind of cuts. You're, you you don't have the same amount of meat available to you, the same amount of of meat prepared. For you in that way you know the sauces as well and Mm. the side dishes the rice the the soup the the ramen sometimes that you get at these places the bibimba so yeah the 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 beam beam bap yeah um
0: if you know that uh that bibimba if you can get it for cheap it's more of a bibim bowl uh
1: yeah yeah it is it is um Korean Korean words are really kind of stupid sounding, aren't they? Um I think the
0: language itself is more of just like a practical joke on non-Koreans. I'm convinced that in Korea they speak something else. <laughs>
1: Everything just sounds so silly, like a made-up baby word. Bebimba. <laughs> Nedeu. <laughs>
0: I mean, it's 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 why in Korean pop songs it's so popular to sing in English or uh, yeah in other languages. You make, get people to take
1: you seriously
0: for right. once. Right, right. Now, so do they speak the same language in North and South Korea?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do, actually. And um, they, except for maybe like a, a few words here and there that have taken on different meanings as the, the language branched off, they can pretty much understand each other. Wow. It's like Which is really interesting, isn't it?
0: It's like they're the same race.
1: <laughs> Our language is racial now. Well, I mean,
0: it's there's a divergence clearly. Uh, you know how society, environment shapes the genetic code, as it were. Yeah,
1: sure. I mean, if if you grabbed a, a North Korean skull and a South Korean skull and measured the two, right? Um. You know, you would definitely be able to find some differences. Well, you know, the frontal vortexes. Right, right.
0: Yes, yes. Um, so, you've, you've, you've said that Yakiniku is taking off in the West, but what's your opinion of it?
1: My opinion on Yakiniku? Yeah. Well, I think it's, um, again, it's an event. It's nice to go out and, um, you know, bring four, five, six people along.
0: See, I, I I disagree with that because it's this whole thing, this whole stupid dance of, okay, we ordered this one cut and maybe there's six slices of it and there's four of us. Who's going to be the, the people who can eat two of them? And, you know, they're just sitting there on the grill percolating, cooking, and everyone's watching them like, what do I do? Am I going to take it? Are you going to
1: take it? Well, that's, that's what you as an American have to do, the heavy lifting and just eat it. No, because that's... Yeah. That's shameful. You're, you're gonna
0: dishonor your ancestors. You're gonna dishonor myself.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and God forbid you ever go to yakiniku on a date where it's like, oh, you know, I'm, so, I'm, yeah, I'm gonna impress you. I'm gonna grill the thing and put it on your plate. And it's like, there's so much fucking
1: work. God, it damn. is a lot of work. I, I always make sure to bring along someone who will do the work for me. The, the key is to get fucking wasted before you go.
0: And it's yep. like, oh man, he can't be trusted with a. A pair of uh, pincers. What do
1: you call those things? Tongs. (laughs) uh, Tongs. The issue is usually I'm getting wasted while I'm there. You know, so about halfway through, I kind of become useless. That's a good strategy.
0: Here's the thing, though. In these days, recent times, nowadays, currently, concurrently, concordantly, you can't order alcohol in places because of coronavirus. Oh, and it's like, what the hell? What's the? Why am I here? Just, just to, just to yeah. eat
1: meat and suffer. Right, right, yeah. So there, there is absolutely no point to yakiniku without some beer or something.
0: Right. I mean, I usually huh. go for harder,
1: harder liqueurs.
0: Mmm. No.
1: Cultured man.
0: Yes, I, I order my lemon sour, my Lemmy sour. Right.
1: <laughs> 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 and then. Um... Then your boyfriend cooks the meat for you?
0: Yeah, it's nice. It's nice. You just get it heaped on your plate and
1: be like, ah, more. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It's always nice when, you know, the the night's kind of winding down and, um, you know, you're getting more and more drunk and you don't really know what's going on and then all of a sudden meat magically appears on your plate. Yeah, it's... uh,
0: That is a... Wonderful experience in a bubble, because when you're wasted, there's really nothing more you want to eat than just kind of hearty meat. Yeah, yeah. And it, for it to just come there, naturally appear on your plate, grilled
1: and, grilled
0: and hot, and you got these dipping sauces.
1: Mm-hmm. So I always... But, yeah? I was just going to say, the thought, the thought now is kind of, like, disgusting, though. True. Well, I mean... you know
0: like you said it's in a bubble it's in a bubble it is um I always like to go for the the more um uh, I don't know if I describe it as bitter or salty eh, probably bitter um dipping sauce usually has like a lemon in it mm-hmm. it's, yeah it's not so savory yeah sure it's more tart sure. more tarted yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> um yeah well you know i think we're just gonna have to agree to disagree on how much we like yakiniku okay let's cap this discussion off by giving
0: yakiniku a number rating out of 10 okay uh,
1: like, like in terms of uh in terms of like where i want to go out to eat yeah yeah it's just okay.
0: everything you could think of i am rating my different out to eat experiences out of 10, comparing them against each other to decide where to go. I give sure. Yaki Niku a 6
1: out of 10. Okay, I would give it a 7. Um, however, I would give it an 8 if I am coming off of riding a plane for an entire day. I like that. I would bump mine up to a 7 if I was
0: hosting a um, an acquaintance who had n- no concept of what Yaki Niku is and is completely novel for them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a Um, a great activity for for hosting others. I would bump it up to a 10
1: for nomikais.
0: Well, that does offset my biggest problem. Usually, like, if you're at a nomikai, it's with your boss, and he's going to pay for you. And at that point, it's just you're playing with house money.
1: (laughs) You can kind of, like, crawl around the table. Lay under it, maybe.
0: Can and have. (laughs)
1: I'm <laughs> not surprised.
0: Well, you know how I get after I've had a few,
1: a few, a few a few Oh yeah, a f- a few Devon sowies When,
0: whenever somebody else like oh let's get a bottle of sake for the table, it's like oh boy, <laughs> I'm gonna go ham on this. I'm gonna lose my goddamn <laughs> mind. Is the sake good at these places? Doesn't have to be. To be honest, yeah. um, the thing about sake, as I'm sure you know, I don't need to tell you, um, is that it's so e- just easy to drink. Yeah, and yeah, it goes down like water. Exactly, it's akin to water ordering water for the table. Um, mm. And when you have something that, that that's that drinkable, the flavor almost doesn't matter. I mean, obviously it tastes fine, but it's high quality, low quality. It's not so important. Um, Low-quality alcohol yeah. only really becomes an issue when it's the kind that, it's like, for me, I probably not for you, but it, where it becomes like tequila, where you drink it and you're just, your body just wants to instantly reject the substance that you oh, yeah, put inside yeah. of
1: it. Well, there's that, and, you know, it's also like, if if you get sake and, I mean, it's it's probably different now, but... Even like ten years ago or so, if you went to the store in an, in America and got sake, um, you were going home with something that would burn your throat. Yeah. You know? um, Weird. And that's disgusting. Obviously.
0: Yeah, it's like but, in- instead uh, of making it from rice, they made it from thumbtacks. You're right.
1: <laughs> it's it's like literal fire going down your throat. Fire water. Um, but you have to you have to keep drinking it. Because if you don't then you know you're not Japanese enough you know you can't you can't prove to everyone how Japanese you are so
0: i I have uh, um I have a story a sake story that I want to believe everybody has, but I think it's just a me thing mm-hmm. so one of the first times I ever had sake with a group of people um it was at a restaurant it was ordered the, the server brings it the big old bottle and Like the small glasses. And I really didn't have a concept of what was happening. So I'm like, okay, let me put these puzzles together in my mind. Get a real brain blast. We have alcohol and we have small glasses. So that must mean this is a shot. Right, right. (laughs) Yep. So I just do a shot of sake and look around to my (laughs) peers and everyone's just super confused borderline offended it's like man what the hell and i'm like oh my bad yeah i thought this was a party
1: (laughs) i think that's everyone's first experience with it
0: thoroughly embarrassing Um, but you should still feel ashamed i I certainly do i mean the only reason i remember that story so many years later is because of the pure unadulterated shame that washed over me in that moment
1: right 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 um well at at least at least you learned from it i mean uh i know the the several times um we used to we used to travel to japan back when we lived in america um you know meeting with the execs you know uh uh yasunori um Mm. big big cbs guy um uh you you were always you know the 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 picture of of perfect manners i was at the sake table i um
0: you know i i they were the executives i was not so i poured their drink
1: yeah uh, yep. d-
0: did the toast below their glasses uh it's a lot to lot to take in i i knelt by the door the whole time <laughs> there's a lot of um Cultural mores to be aware of.
1: <laughs> uh, you you, you exchanged business cards with your hand below his.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: That's
0: mm-hmm. um, just what you got to do if you want to make a good impression.
1: Did you uh, did you take his tie and tie it around his forehead for him?
0: <laughs> no, no. It's you can't you can't insinuate that he's incapable of that. But I did oh, okay. I did box up his to go sushi. <laughs>
1: uh, all right. Why don't we uh what what were we doing this podcast for again? Is this the Star Trek podcast or the uh no, the, not, the Japanese podcast? No, it's not the
0: Japanese, it's not the political podcast either. We're on the Star Trek one. Um so Shoji, okay. thank you for your question of the week. If you guys at home have your own questions of the week that you want answered on a weekly basis by us when you tune in every week, then you can email us at thereadierroom at gmail.com. It's with a capital T, a capital R, and a second capital R. Or you can DM us on Twitter at thereadierroom. And if you have a good question, we'll answer it every week starting next week. Okay, so this week we are talking about an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation from Season 2. And mm-hmm. this is Episode 7 ish yes it is yep episode 7 you got it unnatural selection unnatural selection now Um, this might be a key to what the episode's about because our learned ensigns at home will, will know that natural selection is referring to charles darwin's theory of evolution
1: yeah um i feel like a title like this kind of hints at something maybe a little more broad um, like it's about maybe women? a little more Darwinian than no, no, no. Like, isn't it's like a wider concept? Oh, I see. Right, I could see where you get confused there. So sorry for not being specific.
0: I get confused
1: um, at many things. the The title's a little weird for for I think what what the content matter is. But, yeah, uh...
0: it's I. It's kind of like explained through dialogue, but in a in a way that's not really expanded upon. Yeah, it's, it's kind of throwaway. Right. Where it's like, okay, it's not really that important. The title's not very very far from um the important aspect of a Star Trek episode. So it's like whatever, but they could have done more with what is an interesting idea, uh human evolution.
1: Um, yeah, I thought I thought it would be more evolution focused on evolution or something like that than um um you know, just dealing with the disease, I guess. Um, you know, having not watched this episode for God knows how many decades. Um, I was thrown for a little bit of a loop.
0: Yeah, it's... I I mean, it's it's ultimately not a disease, right? It, it, it appears oh, to yeah, be Oh, yeah, it's, it's an altering of the
1: DNA. It's right. like that guy, that Japanese guy back in the 90s, um, who was working at the nuclear power plant. Have you heard of this guy? I have not heard of this guy. So, um, huge accident at this power plant, and this guy got exposed to a bunch of radiation, right? Did he he um, have, like, spider powers afterwards? Well, hold on. I'll I'll get to it. So, he goes to the hospital, and there's nothing wrong with him. um, But, you know, sometimes he has an upset stomach, and, like, you know, he has to throw up or whatever. Um, But they keep an eye on him. And within a few weeks, his skin just starts sliding off. Oh, my God. And, like, regrowing. <laughs> He's um, literally his, his, his body, his genetic code or whatever was altered so that his body would not replicate cells. So he literally just melted to death. Um, and they, they, they kept him alive, like, against his wishes
0: oh, to study it. I think I've yeah. seen
1: pictures of this. Yeah, you've seen pictures of it, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. That's yeah that's i don't even know how to describe it That's terrifying Jesus. yeah you're gonna sleep well tonight every now and then i think about that as i'm going to bed and it keeps me awake i have had similar dreams before where my skin just slides off ah huh. how, how about when your teeth fall out
0: i've had that i've had one where i go to the bathroom mirror and i look at myself and my my face my body is just riddled with like black void holes and oh my god. the skin around them is like dried out and aging and like my hairs and teeth are falling out that's and, terrifying and the dream ends when I reach up and start to like finger one of the holes just to see what's in it and and then like the dream ends and it's, I, I, it's very upsetting when I wake up from that. <laughs> it's I, upsetting. I've had this dream like I don't know how many times but
1: pretty, pretty that's frequently oh yeah. my god I, I would definitely feel a certain way waking up um for one of those dreams uh one dream that i get a lot is um getting into a fight with someone mm-hmm. and i'll punch them but the punch does nothing no matter how hard i try it's like i'm like punching while underwater okay um and this is like fairly often i have no idea what it's supposed to mean D- does it involve retribution like do they punch you back and, and oh no, like... no no not not really not not necessarily
0: huh it's interesting well if there's any uh, psychoanalytic ensigns in, in the audience um, feel free mm-hmm. to have a field day with with these dreams
1: um, yeah so um, get, uh I, I'd like to just run down I think a list of um of of fun little trivia about this episode oh please um, before we get into the the episode proper um, it was nominated for an Emmy for hair design pretty based um the, uh, the director, of course, was the great Paul Lynch. Um, no relation. We go on to make Prom Night with Leslie Nielsen and Jamie Lee Curtis. Ooh. Uh, we have Patricia Smith brought over from another Gene uh, show, Planet Earth. Um, and this episode is basically just uh, the, the, the same concept in in terms of its conflict as, as the uh, the original series episode, The Deadly Years, um, where where they solve this problem of aging mm. um, with some kind of injection. <laughs> Spock just makes an injection and, and it cures them. It was a simpler um, time. <laughs> yeah, so at least we avoided um, a resolution like that. Well, it's it's interesting how in a
0: search for compelling plot lines... Um, the TNG, Star Trek universe, has created a solution for every possible thing that could ail humanity, mm-hmm. up to and including time.
1: Yes, yes, that is true. Um, all you have to do is put them through the, the magic transporter and everything's okay.
0: Don't um, they? is not There is an episode. I remember there was a bunch of kids on the set. There's an episode later on where all the, they they have the reverse problem. They all age down. You remember this? Not like, really. There's an episode where um, Picard and maybe Riker and the, oh
1: yes, yes, you're
0: right. That's later, way later on, isn't it? That's what reminded you of it when I said that Picard and Riker were involved.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, it just took me a while to think about it.
0: Yeah, that's way later. Okay. But okay. It's it's you know they solved that problem, and here's the thing. I don't know why that. Yeah, whatever.
1: Anyway,
0: <laughs> we're getting yeah, off topic so, here. So this is um, um, what is the name of this episode? Unnatural selection. There's unnatural that Japanese selection. guy whose skin melted off, and yep. um, Leslie Nielsen's prom night, which is something I really wish I could have seen in person.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So. Uh. God. The The episode starts, and they're going to Starfleet India. What? They're going to Starfleet India at the beginning of the episode. What does that mean? That's just where they're going. I don't know. Maybe they're going to India on Earth. I'm not really sure. Maybe the India is the name of some space station. I wasn't paying attention. There's got to be it. There's no way if you're going to Earth, you would specify
0: the country that you're going to. All right. Should I look it up? Yes, please. It's kind of like... If you were to take a, f- a flight to another country and somebody asks, oh, where are you going? And you're like, oh, I'm going to, you know, 10 Maple Street. It's like, what? You know, you're going to Canada, asshole.
1: Oh, it's it's a Star
0: Station. Star Stations, India. So here's a question. Is the Enterprise capable of landing on a planet?
1: Yeah. Why wouldn't it be?
0: Well, it doesn't really have landing gear.
1: I don't I don't think they really thought about that one.
0: But has the, I know the Enterprise has crash landed on a planet. Has it ever had a normal landing on a planet? Well, the
1: the the Enterprise C has been on a planet before. Um, Is that the one in TNG? No, it's the one in the original series. But um, it it takes off from a planet like. Does it at the beginning of pretty much every Star Trek series? Yeah. I'm beginning to
0: think that it only docks at space stations.
1: Oh, yeah, you're right. It might only dock at space stations.
0: This is a theory I've been working on. Ah, s- who cares? I kind of do. <laughs> so what is this episode about? This episode has, as we mentioned, they encounter a problem where people rapidly age. Um, it The introduction to this is a um, an orphaned, vessel just kind of drifting through space they encounter it Mm -hmm. and by hacking into its systems which they can apparently do they
1: see on the bridge that everybody's just old and dead hold on um if if they can remotely control other ships um isn't this something the the aliens from the end of last season could have easily used yes yes it is
0: but they would i do, do, well, I guess they don't need the permission of anybody on board because nobody goes on board no, to they give they just it.
1: need to know like the,
0: the the right
1: passcode.
0: Now, but but they established that those aliens didn't quite know everything. You remember that um, that one guy was asking Picard like these very specific questions in an attempt to fool him. Oh, them? right, right, right. So, so but it, they seemed clever enough. Yeah, and they probably could access the databases that had those codes stored um i don't know yeah definitely a plot hole
1: you should have gotten our shit together but yeah just just to throw away observation there so yeah you're um they they discover a uh and uh uh federation ship filled with old people who are dead um, right. turns out they've all died of old age which is not as funny as it sounds um no i mean so they they bring it up on the view screen and, you know, you just see like three old people sitting on a bridge and everyone kind of looks horrified. Yeah. Um, As as <laughs> if as if being old is the worst thing that could ever happen to you. Well, I, I enjoy the um
0: the clear evidence that everybody get it gets it immediately, that the only thing that could have happened here is that these three people hyper aged and th- <laughs> there's no other explanation. They're not just old. They're not just dead. It's that they all hyper-aged to death. That's the only way to explain the horror that everybody feels immediately. <laughs> um, and to be fair, it is it is somewhat horrifying. Yeah, I mean, the idea certainly is, but it just lends more, more credence to my growing desire to see this comedy sketch where all of these insane, off-the-wall <laughs> events become normal <laughs> to them. Where their first instinct is, oh my God, they hyperage to death
1: He's yeah. <laughs> attending a funeral. How did he die? Did he hyperage?
0: <laughs> he died of natural causes, I see on a, on a regular time scale or on a, on a hyperscale
1: <laughs> Yeah, exactly. um. So they decide to investigate this by going to the what well, was the space station that the ship had come from. Uh, Moonbase a, Alpha, a research station. Yeah, yeah Moonbase Alpha. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they approach it, and we get uh, we get Patricia Smith on screen. Um, what is she
0: from? I know the name, and I recognized her she's face. From, she's from Planet Earth. I don't know what else she was in. She's clearly in something else. I like. I, I don't. I didn't she, she watch. Was, that. She was in
1: our TV stuff. Yeah.
0: Right, but I, there's something I know her from um i'm sure i'm sure you do but she was in other tv stuff just look it up look i'm it up. I'm looking it up okay ah uh she it's it's from her later career because i remember her being fucking old right <laughs> like she wasn't old here why would i want i mean she was cast specifically because she was old <laughs> <laughs> right. um why would i want a partial filmography what the fuck are you doing to me is she dead Yes. Let me say that like it's the most obvious thing in the world.
1: (laughs) We worked on this, what, 40 years ago?
0: Yeah, but it's not fun to see your friends die. Uh, I wouldn't call her a friend per se. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't either. I I misspoke there. but Uh, It's, It's not fun to see your enemies die. Yeah, it is weird. It's weird. He could have at least, like, invited me to the funeral so I could have tasted I know. declined. What a
1: bitch. What
0: a, what, a, what a bitch. Or what an ass. I don't want to use
1: the gendered insults.
0: What an asshole.
1: Ah, uh, good call, Mitch. It is uh, 2021 now. Are you going to... Um, I absolutely ca- of, uh, cannot find what I know her from. Okay. Well, let's let's move on instead of sitting in silence then. Well, we were um. talking
0: the whole time. It wasn't silent, but I am, I am giving up the search. Okay. But well, yes. Maybe
1: we'll we'll find it and we'll post it to the Patreon. What what astounds me
0: about her casting, or rather just her as a person, is that when the camera um the view screen, I guess, when it opens to her and you see Patricia Smith dominating the view, um mm-hmm. it's just her. It's just Patricia's Patricia Smith. She's not in some like old makeup or anything. But just by looking at her, you're immediately as the viewer filled with this sense of dread because he's, oh my god, she's so old. Nobody should be that old.
1: Hey. <laughs> <laughs> they have the problem too. And um, um, it's
0: like, yeah, no, that's, it, that's it, it just Patty.
1: That, uh, <laughs> right, right. Uh, and, and in the universe, it, it couldn't just be that there's an older woman working on this space station. No, you know right away, um, this, this is a young woman who's aged up uh, in the past hour or so, to to sixty something, right? They had this um,
0: the the twist They're like, oh my, you know, Captain, I just celebrated my thirty fifth birthday, and uh, it's like, no, <laughs> right, we, right. we we knew, we knew, nobody this old would ever be on the screen if it wasn't. Um, um... Let's let's talk about something here, in general. I feel that throughout TNG, Picard's age is sidestepped all the time. Yeah, like nobody ever talks about how old he's Picard not actually is. that old though. How old he is just he? looks at it. He's I don't like, know how old Picard himself is, but Patrick Stewart wasn't that old at the time. Yeah, I don't really even remember Patrick's age, but if looking at Picard now, I mean, seeing this, um, the show, I should say, at the onset, he looks like he's already forty-five or so. Right, right, but it, yeah, but he's, mm. and to me. Yeah, maybe for, for such a um action uh a, a job that has so much action to it. Granted, you know the Enterprise's crew is seeing more of this than anybody to it, but um, Picard's age should be pretty relevant, especially later on when he's going on like these these covert missions against the uh uh what was it, the Cardassians, yeah. and nobody yet... <laughs> the Cardassians right, <laughs> nobody ever says. Uh, Captain, you're you're fucking ancient. Let the robot do
1: it. Yeah, yeah. I guess you're right. You're probably right about that. And that is something that's bothered me a little bit here and there because there are times where it's appropriate to say, "Hey, you know, you're kind of getting up there in age. Um, you know, don't don't be hanging out with Riker. You know, going on secret sex missions or whatever. Right. Like Riker, it's it's a little unbecoming.
0: Picard goes to that one like pleasure planet, and Riker says, "Oh, you know, order this secret sex totem." And, you know, Picard right. would throw out a hip if he were
1: doing that. <laughs> um, and I guess to your point, yes, it does become kind of odd um, to watch Picard's horror at the idea of people aging in episodes like these.
0: Yeah, and I just want some dialogue about it. Like yeah. Maybe. um some younger person is contracted this condition and Picard having aged a fair amount of, in his life gives them some advice on um dealing with imminent death right. so, something you, you know he's mm-hmm. not he's not some spring chicken you don't have to report that he is
1: yeah it's a fair point but uh we're not going to get that <laughs> no so, um I I appreciate this episode that we st- we sidestepped the problem of having to put young people in makeup by just hiring a bunch of old people. Yes
0: and no, but yes. Um, obviously there's one exception to that. So yeah, but
1: she was already old to begin with.
0: Well, she was already in makeup. Is the thing right? Gates was like we that already old. perfected. We'd already perfected kind of that old look. Yeah, but uh, well before,
1: so the, I I don't I don't know if I would count it.
0: I would because of you know the what it, what it put her through. Um, oh yeah. yeah, I guess that's true. Because and you know, the way that we achieved that look was to put on the Pulaski makeup and then put on right. the old Pulaski makeup on top of that, like to. Mm-hmm. It was kind of two layers, which really, really took a toll on, on Gates. Like you wear that right. much makeup, I don't know what it was like four or five pounds of makeup for 10 hours a day (laughs) yeah it was a lot if i remember she ended up just passing out a few times on set which really delighted um what was it brent and michael because of how much makeup Mm. they had to wear all the time and (laughs) i think it was some kind of hazing on their part but really it drove gates pretty close to the edge so to to say that um it wasn't such a, uh, an elegant sidestep when it kind of left this mental scarring on her.
1: I, I guess that's true. And I mean, uh, we ran into a lot of problems um, starting with this episode, I'd say, uh, with the Pulaski character, because, you know, we hadn't had a Pulaski centered episode until now, right? Mm. Um, we didn't need Gates on set for this many hours um, before this one. And, um, you know, in addition to the passing out, even just just her normal makeup, um, we we ran into an issue where the, the chemicals in the makeup that you know we had to use to to get her into character, um, her normal character, um, the chemicals from the makeup were somehow being absorbed through her skin, mm. um, which you know we found out much later on, um, having taken her to the doctor and all that. But um, this caused all kinds of symptoms um and and this episode in particular um the most outstanding one was just short-term forgetfulness memory loss memory loss um not necessarily memory loss but um just inability to memorize because she she'd go on to say her lines and she just she didn't even know where to start half the time um we, we had to get the crew to to write her up cue cards You know, we Mm kind of just gave up.
0: (laughs) Um, It was sad. You're not going to win an Emmy for even cue cards. And this is her her, her opportunity.
1: There's there's a lot of scenes, um, you know, the scene where where Pulaski and Troy are walking down the corridor. Yes. um, Where, you know, Gates is very clearly just staring off into space, reading a cue card um, through the whole thing. And uh, it's very obvious it's it's sad. I think um,
0: this was kind of the beginning of w- why we phased out the Pulaski character and phased yeah, um, yeah. Crusher back in in season three, um, right? Just it the 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 juice was not worth the squeeze, as they
1: say. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a shame because I don't know about you, but I like the Pulaski character. I do too. Um, um particularly her
0: interactions with Picard in this episode are. Not only interesting and good television, but you just don't get them with any other member of the cast.
1: Exactly, yeah. So, um, And, you know, we've probably already talked about this ad nauseum in some other episodes, but uh, I don't understand the kind of hate that this character gets. Same Um, thing
0: with Wesley Crusher. I don't really
1: get it. I I don't really get the the hate per se, but I understand disliking his presence as a, as a character, the way he was written in earlier episodes. Sure,
0: but uh, with with Pulaski, none I don't I don't get any of it. Like no, I don't get any of it. it. It the only way I could get it is if you're a big adherent to the Star Trek Bible and you want zero conflict between the main cast. Mm-hmm.
1: Which yeah. which of course is just completely dreadfully boring television. The um. The one thing that kind of puts me off Pulaski a little bit is how she's basically um, just a a, a Bones stand-in. Um, you know, she she's the the grumpy doctor who uh, is frequently at odds with the captain. She hates transporters. You know, did, very did, old-fashioned.
0: Did Bones have that same transport? Yeah, he like, had
1: that issue. Yeah, th-
0: that's a weird that has to be intentional like a call it, it's
1: you know, it's definitely intentional she's she's absolutely just that character as as a woman um kind of thrust into this tng sphere um which you know is it's okay i guess but um it's a little um a little fan servicey i guess yeah uh, it, it kind of throwing your hands up and saying well we screwed up so Was- here's this was bones, old character
0: was bones the one in the first episode encounter at yeah. farpoint okay yeah Where he's yeah. like she's a good ship uh, be and, kind uh, to her and she'll <laughs> take you home
1: yeah and um you know what do you know both of them in in that old people makeup kind of end up looking the same um if, if you got a side by side of him and uh and gates in her really old lady makeup they'd uh you, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference they should have just hired the guy again
0: be like oh it's bones <laughs> yeah they should just
1: turned bones even older they could have called him old bones they could have they could have that would um, be great there there's a great scene where um just just getting back to uh the story for this episode um when when patricia gets on the view screen right mm-hmm. um and uh um pulaski starts talking and you know, Patricia's character is like, "Well, uh, who are you? Who am I speaking to?" And you know, she introduces herself, and um, uh, Patricia's character says, uh, "Aren't you Doctor Pulaski, author of linear models of of whatever? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know why that tickled me so much, but uh, it's it's I guess it's because it's it's a lot of tell, don't show."
0: Yeah, I um, I didn't didn't laugh at that at the time, but you know, you're. Uh, recap of it is hilarious. <laughs> and I think the the only thing that saved that to me is when she says that Picard like kind of looks at Riker in this uh like impressed yet incredulous way, like what? Like really? She did that? Mm-hmm. And right. it's clearly serving to shed some light on Pulaski's past to the other characters rather than to the audience
1: yeah yeah that's fair that's fair um which is a
0: recurring thing because later on Picard learns how uh learns of Pulaski's admiration for the enterprise, which was also mm-hmm. unknown up to that point, so that's like the episode Picard learns about pulaski that's
1: that's it that's that's the story yeah, yeah you're right and uh, it's it's thematically appropriate um it could have we're been we're spending this episode learning about her it could have been more
0: elegantly written that's for sure yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's a little shamelessly like, uh instead uh, of like instead of saying aren't you the author of this and leaving it at that it's like oh dr Pulaski, uh i was just consulting your dissertation on um yes whatever and uh you know something like that and right. that would have done the same thing in a, in a much more organic way
1: mhm mhm totally um but so the this whole episode is uh pulaski saying um you know damn the quarantine we're gonna beam up the kids on this planet because they don't seem to be affected by the virus i gotta stop Um, you right there mm mm-hmm kids yeah the kids the quote 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 unquote kids oh yeah the the, the quote unquote kids in universe kids yes there's a very
0: confusing (laughs) sequence of events where the, the kid is, they're like, okay, we have this kid. He's in stasis. Um, please, in, he's, he's not a carrier of the, what we think is a virus right now. Please beam him up and inspect him. So they beam the kid up, and it's very clearly like a 20-year-old adult. Uh, mm-hmm. And Worf says, he just shouts out, we've been tricked. Yeah. Now, my thought was that he was referring to this being a man, not a kid. However, right. even after this, everybody still continues to refer to them, to that guy, and to everybody as children. So that's not it. Yep. But at that point, what, what? how does Worf think he was tricked? Because he, <laughs> everything else is on the level.
1: No, I think that's definitely what he was referring to, is that it, it, it appears to be an adult man. But nobody says anything about this. There's nothing like, yeah, oh,
0: the, the kids grow at an accelerated level because of their DNA. Um, like it, it right.
1: Like... I mean, they, they they touch on that afterward, but but not in that scene.
0: Well, they touch on the DNA, but they don't touch on it affecting their growth cycle or whatever. I'm pretty sure they
1: do. I don't. Well, think they I do. mean, maybe maybe not explicitly, but it's 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 pretty obviously implied. It's I don't know
0: I, that it's so con- confusing in the moment that it could have used a line because it's. To completely remove oneself from the fact that this is a TV production, it's like, yeah, that makes sense. You can kind of piece together that, um, okay, well, their DNA has been altered, so probably they grow at a different rate, and 12 years old isn't going to be accurately reflected as opposed to how it would be in a normal human. However, when this is a TV production, and you as the audience, you're always going to have this thought in your mind that, were they unable to cast children? Is this the best that they could do? (laughs) and well you can never divorce yourself from having that thought
1: i i guess so um i mean just just to clear it up um the the casting calls very explicitly went out to adults um to be playing children in fact the um the auditions were you know stuff like having them sit on the ground and play with blocks um which we see them do at the lab right 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 you know they we we've very very um, fastidiously looked for, uh, adults who would, who would be, um, uh, not only comfortable, but, uh, who would excel at portraying children. And, um, what we actually ended up doing was sourcing them from the, um, the, the adult baby play community. Hmm. Mm. Right. What was the name um, of, um, AD, AD, something? Oh God. Um, <laughs> you got me there. And ADP, um, something like that. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. Um, I, I try to keep myself as far away from them as possible. But uh, uh, we, we had them on set for a few days, and um, really uncomfortable <laughs> for the most part. Yeah, it's. I mean, when they
0: insisted on showing up with their, uh, with their daddy every every yeah, time, it's, yeah, uh, yeah, right, right. And it's been like forty they, years yeah. now, and I just still can't really.
1: You'd (laughs) you'd just be standing around on set and all of a sudden it would just smell horrible. Um, And most of them, to be um, fair,
0: part of that was on us. You know, the 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 craft services table did have chili that day.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Well, see that explains it. I mean, like, um, it, one of them, you know, shit himself and you know wouldn't wouldn't offer up that information. So we're we're running around trying to figure out what smells so bad. Um, and you know, it turns out he just pooped his diaper. I remember this
0: because you know us the slightly lower level people to be the ones to investigate it, and I walked up to him. And I was kind of getting to the bottom of things, and I and I asked him, "Did you did you shit yourself?" And he just wouldn't answer me, right, and, it, and right. it took like a minute before I finally figured it out. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I sigh, "Did somebody make a stinky winky?" And yep. he's like, yeah. "I did." Uh huh. Part of I'm me very di- proud of himself too. Part of me um, dying day.
1: If I recall, you had to hold his hand to take him to the bathroom.
0: Not proud of that. You do a lot. For the show must go on is what they say right 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 and uh we on every production you leave a little bit of yourself behind
1: on it and sometimes (laughs) sometimes you leave a lot of yourself behind i i am just glad i wasn't on butt wiping duty that day i always drew and draw the the shortest straw (laughs) um so where where were we on the actual? Okay, yeah. So they, I don't even know what we were talking about anymore.
0: Um, n- unnatural selection. Uh, oh yes, the adult casting of children.
1: Yeah, yeah. But in in universe, um, they they they. So we we got to the point where they beam them up. Yes, and
0: the first one beamed up. I guess the only one beamed up is. The only one, yeah. Is encased in a... Styrolite. Styrolite. Not Styrofoam. Styrolite. Which is what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot less um uh, contaminant-free. Styrofoam. Anyway, yeah. So he's encased in this Styrolite, which is like this clear uh, gel. Hardened gel of some sort. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, that, that was kind of a bitch to uh to get working wasn't it yeah i
0: mean yeah, you were you were very
1: intimately familiar with that process much more than i was oh yeah i mean um well it's it's only it's only because i i kind of stood there and watched the whole the 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 whole procedure happen um i don't know where you were that day uh, I, oh oh uh, yeah <laughs> that's right yeah don't don't that's not to bring it um, up. So, so um, basically, what they what they did was they covered George the uh, the the uh, the baby play um, adult man mm. um, in Georgie. In several, Georgie, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they they covered him in a bunch of layers of Vaseline, right? Mm. Um, and then we had our goop master, um, which you know, for those not in the know, for those not kind of working on the set, um, especially back then. Um, the goop master would deal with all kinds of various sorts of goop, um, sludge, um, slime, paste, slime. Yeah, anything that you need for special effects in that realm. Um, they, they, it was it was a pretty popular subset of of special effects artists. Um, now it's kind of been rolled into other stuff. I mean, now like everything's three D and like uh, animated and stuff like that. So. Um, you don't need it as much anymore. But back then, it was it was kind of a big deal. Um, so the Goop Master came in after the Vaseline was applied, and he would just very meticulously scrape out the grooves and the edges on it and just make everything perfectly straight. And then um, another team would come in and cover George in this industrial plastic wrap and just like keep it really, really taut, right, so that you couldn't obviously see the wrinkles or whatever. And... Um, I think the result was really good. I mean, you see it in the episode, and I mean, you can't even really tell what it is that's covering him. So it, I think it does look pretty sci-fi, personally. Um,
0: yeah, they now, did a good
1: job. The downside was that we could only keep it on George for three minutes before he, before he started to suffocate. Um, or at least that's what he said. The The real challenge was that one of the takes that we wanted to do
0: was about four minutes in length.
1: mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So you yeah, really had um, to push through it. And, uh, yeah, he did. And, you know, of course, every other take he'd start crying. Um, you can see it because the,
0: um, the the would-be styrolite is clear. So if you freeze frame and look, at you can see the tears running down yeah, yeah. his cheek <laughs> in there.
1: It just, his, his face is completely red. Right, right. Oh, so, man.
0: A, a trooper. And you know what? The thing, things he put me through, I don't really have much uh, sympathy. You damn well better do your best. <laughs>
1: um. So. Picard is acting, I would say, almost out of character here. Again. <laughs> Every week. <laughs> yeah. I mean, don't you don't you think? I mean, we we have we have a clear like disaster that's affecting other human beings and Picard is basically like, he throws his hands up in the air and says, well, there's nothing we can do. Um, um, yes. It's almost like there's no protocol for for this kind of thing.
0: I, I'm not so sure. I think it's completely in line with for Picard to prioritize the safety of the crew when possible, to say, like, oh, you know, I want to help them, but all of these methods involve uh, threats of cross-contamination, and if we can ensure that that won't happen, then... Uh, I'll do everything I can. Sure, it's not—it's sure. not as offensively out of character as um, no. other episodes have been.
1: I can excuse it, I guess, but it—it um, it felt like he was a little, a little more antagonistic than he needed to be I, I to w- um, Pulaski.
0: Yeah, and I will say that it kind of undermines itself when Picard does throw the crew to the wind. At the very end, for only for Pulaski's sake, once she's involved, mm-hmm. um, right? That is when it appears to be a lot more inconsistent.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, but obviously, that's this this whole conflict early in the episode is is supposed to be in service of that, right? That's where, that's where the Picard story. learns, yeah. Um, so it's it's a little at odds with itself sometimes. Right. I'm not really sure where I stand on it. I'm not sure if. I can excuse it, but looking at it I, I I still haven't really figured it out.
0: Looking at it logically, I can just say that either at the beginning, if you want to see it that way, or if you accept how he acts at the beginning, at the end, Picard is acting inconsistent with what we know of his character. Um, mm-hmm. But when the crux of this episode's storyline is just the developing relationship of Picard and Pulaski. And um, it's nice to see this arc where they're kind of antagonistic towards one another. Uh, Pulaski kind of goes out of her way to accommodate Picard in the plan that she hatches. Picard accepts. He learns more about her history and gets a newfound respect for her. And then he kind of reciprocates her efforts by um, taking this risk to to save her life at the end. Like that... Mm -hmm. In a bubble, that's that's a fine story. That's that's a, a good character dynamic. Yeah, yeah yep. I agree. Um, so it's... I don't really take that much umbrage with, yeah, Picard might not be completely in line with how he acts because that uh, Picard-Pulaski uh, relationship dynamic is executed successfully, so I'll forgive it. Um, I actually quite like that. I, I like this episode overall as a whole. I haven't yeah 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 sure sure so i can forgive uh, a lot of things when it works in service of of a pretty good episode
1: Mm -hmm. yeah i i agree with that i've i've forgiven a lot of things so far you you kind of have to forgive a lot of things if you want to enjoy star trek (laughs) consistently yeah
0: i would say in the early season but no that's true in in any season
1: yep yep yeah certainly um so Pulaski decides to take matters into her own hands um, after speaking with Jordy for five seconds (laughs) um, and take a shuttle out with with the child and Data. I love Data's inclusion in this episode. Yeah, Um, yeah.
0: It it just makes sense. It's logically uh, the right answer. It's also a good opportunity to explore... Pulaski's dynamic with Data because they've... You, you know, love this. I do. They've been at odds before. I enjoy that. Um, and it... um Actually, it's it. It's just those two points. But it's good. Yeah. Actually, the yeah. third point, it leads to... I don't even know why this moment is in the episode, but it leads to one of the the funnier moments of uh, TNG that I have in my recent memory. When Data comes back from the the space station or the research Mm -hmm. lab whatever it is and picard rushes into the transporter room and he starts talking and and then he interrupts himself and says data it's nice to see you and then he keeps going (laughs) that
1: was good yes
0: but like why was that there
1: i don't know it's it he wasn't gone for a particularly long amount of time nor was he at risk right yeah that's that was funny it was a moment
0: of genuine humor
1: um patrick's delivery there was great it was uh, so um, yeah, and and to to your point about Data's inclusion in this episode, um, you know, in the same way that it's kind of a uh Pulaski Picard episode, you do get a little hint of um, uh, sort of a at least starting to come to a resolution for Pulaski and Data, right? Um, where, where they can kind of operate on the same level, same understanding.
0: Well, I think that I don't quite remember how the rest of the season pans out, but. Mm-hmm. I think that their dynamic has more or less reached a conclusion with this. Okay. Um, Pulaski has enough faith in data to actively seek him out to assist her. And at this, in, at no point in this episode does she refer to him as, like, the computer or whatever. Right. She doesn't right. really see right. him as human, but she also doesn't condescend to him, which to me um, is, like, the neutral uh, yeah. standing that
1: the two The need neutral to zone? Yeah, the, ne- the neutral zone. the neutral zone Uh, i i I will say it makes a lot of a lot more sense um in retrospect you know now knowing that Pulaski hates transporters is very old-fashioned now it makes sense that she was inherently suspicious of data right yeah whereas before like had they introduced this part of her character early on um i would have taken a lot less umbrage with her weird antagonism towards him
0: yeah, I mean, it's so there's something to be said about um later events informing on earlier ones rather than always going linearly with these things. Or chronologically, I guess. Yeah, uh, sure. And it's not su- the opinion of somebody being suspicious of data is not so far fetched that it needs to be accounted for immediately.
1: I just think that it, this was entirely an accident in the way that this part of her character was kind of oh yeah, introduced and fleshed out. It, this was certainly um, not planned so meticulously. Right. Had had they done it a little more, uh, I don't know, carefully, mm. I, I think I'd be okay with it. But I don't think it was the intention for me to watch this episode and say, oh, you, you know, now I know why she didn't like Data at first. Right, I mean, there certainly wasn't a lot of
0: subtlety with how any of this was written when Pulaski walks into a room and sees Data and is like, oh, what's it doing here? Yeah. (laughs)
1: Right, right. You trust a computer to drive the ship? (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, we get to the end of the Act 3... We we get to the Act 3 Sting, basically. um, And... Pulaski is suffering from arthritis. Right. Which is, the, is the most apparently you go on. An obvious tell. Apparently this is an obvious tell that she's contracted is uh, some disease um, you know despite the fact that she's already pretty pretty fucking old. Well they do and... they do there's a line
0: earlier they're like oh it started with arthritic inflammation.
1: Yeah, yeah, I guess. But, you know, you, you think about something like the coronavirus and it starts differently for everyone, you know? True. Maybe she was just having an arthritis attack because she's old. Yeah, it's impossible to say.
0: Now, I want to point out that something I don't quite know. And luckily for me, I have never had any arthritic symptoms of any kind. Or, But to me, arthritis doesn't seem like the kind of um, pain where you... Uh, scream, jump back, and and grab at yourself wherever you're hurting. It's it's yeah. Uh, it, it does it it wouldn't
1: have that like that immediate
0: sort of onset. Right. It's more of like oh man, uh, holding my hand in this position just usually kind of getting at me. I can't do this.
1: Yeah, it, it tends to develop over like uh, a small amount of time as you're like in a certain position. I think. Right. Um, I mean, not all arthritis, but most of it, I would say. Um, So, yes, that was a very strange reaction on her part, Uh, almost like someone stabbed her. Yeah. And you want to make things dramatic for television. Right, right. And that's that's all that was. So I at this point in the episode, I almost expected um, it to be the case that she was literally just having arthritis pain and there was nothing else wrong with her. What a I twist. thought it was going to be a red herring. <laughs> what a twist that
0: would be. Well, Captain, I've yeah. been on in years, and it turns out that it was just normal arthritis.
1: Right. right. Thank you. Which I guess is very stupid for me to think, but... Well, I mean...
0: I, I love the idea of Picard being responding to that. I was like, oh, I, I have no idea what that's like, aging. Um,
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. Um... So they set a course for the uh the the creepy eugenics plant. Um is that what you call it? I mean, that's basically what it is.
0: Uh, I guess I don't know. It's I guess that's what they're up to. They they're not really wholesome individuals, are they? Not really. Not really trying to create the next stage of human evolution. Um They're And so it it yeah. yeah they're oddly yeah. um what's the word to describe this, bullheaded for advanced scientists?
1: Yes, I, I don't, and I was going to bring this up, I don't understand how so many fuck-ups got made here, because this is not at all what would happen in real life. Right, and
0: it's a complete breakdown of, I don't know, the scientific method, the science yeah, approach. In, it 100% is. In figuring out what the, the actual problem is here. Right. Because you don't have this many smart people succeeding in their work like actually you know bending the dna of these individuals to create superhumans without some of them being reasonable enough to consider every possibility of what's going wrong rather than just no yeah. we're right there's no possible way the, the kids are related to this
1: yeah and you know th- yes there's that and then you know when, once we do get the explanation that um these th- these kids immune systems are traveling outside their body and altering the DNA of the people around them, um, it's just kind of readily accepted. There's no like, oh, that shouldn't be possible or anything like that. They're just like, oh, yeah, I guess that is what's happening. It's really weird um, for
0: those two things to coexist, where they completely fail to consider this possibility
1: and then immediately yes. accept it. <laughs> yes, exactly. It, it, it would imply that they should have known that this could happen um, and, and therefore would have figured this out before the Enterprise reached them. So, uh, it's just the way this whole thing was written, this whole the the science of it, the science fiction of it is is very bad. I think.
0: Yeah, um, it's much more of a character story than it is a science fiction
1: story. Yeah, yeah. which is it's it's a problem with Trek. Um, it's it's a problem when something like this happens because the science does need to be believable.
0: It's funny because it's usually the other way around where. Chuck is usually pretty competent at writing the science fiction story, and then the human element is kind of of bummed. (laughs) Right, right. But not this time. And, you know, I'm happy that I can... The baggage of a nonsensical sci-fi hook um, doesn't drag things down too much for me. Mm -hmm. I I think it's dumb and not very successful in that regard, but the ways it does succeed makes for compelling television.
1: Yeah, sure. I i don't hate i guess the the mechanism of the disorder as presented in 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 the show i more hate the idea that scientists are the stupid
0: yeah it's difficult to i don't know to craft loving sci-fi with such a seemingly
1: low opinion of scientists (laughs) yeah yeah, like, the, the the Enterprise has to come save everyone. Right, the um, Galactic Police. I mean, police. obviously, it's, yeah, the Galactic Police. It's it's obviously just a vehicle for, you know, Pulaski to kind of show off, but it could have been done a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. As usual.
0: Now, it, what's funny um, about this is that Pulaski is ultimately um, ineffective. Right? She... Yeah, right. She, she has her hunch, as she says, she leapt before she looked... And uh, it kind of fucked up, and Picard has to bail her out. Mm-hmm. The solution does not come from her at all. Uh, she doesn't have any. Um, obviously, she doesn't <laughs> know anything about the transporter. She hates them, but that's that's the yes. key. The key to yes. saving the entire
1: situation. And um, not not only that, but the the crew of the Enterprise has to contact uh, everyone in the universe to find a sample of her DNA, <laughs> <laughs> which is just a wild
0: um idea to me Mm -hmm. yeah the the idea of like getting somebody's dna to me is inherently unsavory (laughs) right and you know we were kind of kicking this around like how do we get this um some pulaski dna and the writers just kept coming up with all these like vaguely sexual uh explanations for it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it was just uncomfortable for a number of reasons it was, especially when looking at gates in the makeup like looking at that character nobody really wants hey, to think oh, of that hey, in a sexual yeah. context yeah and i don't know nobody i mean who on the ship are you gonna paint in that light and it's somebody who's like involved with Ugh. Pulaski. Mm-hmm.
1: Obviously, data maybe uh, <laughs> i mean maybe
0: they, maybe they have hate sex data's one true love is dead and uh that's true that's he, true he'll he'll carry that uh he'll carry vigil for forever right but you know ultimately we ended up going with the
1: hairbrush thing with the hair yeah um it probably like our fifth or sixth choice but i'm i'm glad it worked out i mean the the whole impetus for for this this little plot thread i guess was actually pretty inspired hmm. um because it was it was based on a real life event that happened to mike at the time One you know one of the writers guy in the writers room for the ensigns who were uh, not in the know um and i mean we really should have had mike on because this is such a fascinating story um mike had taken his father to the doctor and it, it, i guess suddenly just kind of woke up to the fact that his dad had like really just gotten older almost overnight like he just became a completely different person hmm. um which is you know sort of the impetus for this this aging plot um and then what happened was the doctor you know he looks his dad up and down and uh, he says, it, you know, it seems you haven't gotten your hepatitis shot. And Mike could swear to God that he had. So he spends the better part of an afternoon calling up all these other offices, looking for his dad's medical records. And of course, he runs into just a host of problems like one office burned the records. Um, one office would only deliver the records by hand like they were across the country. So they, they would have to send a courier on an airplane, you know, with like a manila envelope. Right. Um, In a briefcase, like kind of tough to address yeah yeah exactly so it's um and you know that's that's where kind of the the problems that the enterprise crew encounters that's where they were inspired um so the real crux of this episode where they find a strand of pulaski's hair on her brush um ends up being really cathartic you know it's sort of a release for mike um who went through all this all this difficulty just trying to get his dad's medical records
0: yeah to me it's kind
1: of wish fulfillment uh self-insertion And, you know, maybe that's why it doesn't work so well, because it's it is it's so specifically personal, you know, that if you're not privy to
0: the situation, it to me, it just kind of comes across as hokey because getting procuring a DNA sample from a hairbrush is such a <laughs> such a trope, I guess, is the only way to put it. Yeah, oh Yeah, it is. It is definitely a trope. And and it's also really simple for Star Trek. Um, mm-hmm. given the technology available to, right. to say, oh, yeah, I raided her, her underwear drawer and found her a Her panties.
1: Hairbrush. Yeah. is <laughs> just yeah. yeah. like flipping um,
0: through them, tossing panties over her shoulder, looking for <laughs> something.
1: We, uh, you know, they, they, they could have gone into her, her old laundry pile and gotten some of her discharge. Uh-huh. <laughs> um... It it bothers me Data to some brings degree. It to a space... hey, Captain, it's still fresh. <laughs> oh man, um, it it bothers me to some degree that the only way Starfleet would have records of your DNA is if you've been through a transporter. Yeah,
0: I mean, I haven't really thought about this. It, using a transporter for most people is such a normal thing that Mm -hmm. it kind of makes sense to rely on it i guess yeah but at the same time there would be this official um record somewhere of like okay before you graduate or whatever you get this medical
1: exam and yeah yeah but but then then um then they run into the issue where they're like oh we requested these medical records but they haven't caught up with us yet
0: I'm not quite
1: sure how information is sent across space. Yeah, <laughs> like I mean, yeah, it's it's weird. Like sometimes they can transmit it, sometimes you need like a physical device or something. It's uh, whatever is more convenient for the plot. I guess so, yeah. Uh I, I I just thought of this though where um using this method of kind of reconstructing someone based on their old DNA with the transporter. If they had gotten her old DNA records, would she have come back as just younger Polaski? She'd gosh. have to,
0: right? That's an excellent
1: question. Yeah. Which,
0: you know, we've established before that the Enterprise has more or less solved the aging as a mm-hmm. as a concept.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah, completely. All they would have to do is run themselves through the transporter over and over again um maybe that's how they became babies who knows god there's so many questions so little time <laughs> um but yeah that, that is that is how they they uh save the day um uh comb gets uh, gets i guess like a, a little revamp to his character here yeah he's got a lot of screen time a lot of screen time a lot of uh participation in the
0: plot He's He's, no, nice. he's a nice. He's no meanie. He's no meanie. So here, there's a. Speaking of that, there's an exchange between Picard and O'Brien, where, um, there it's at the very end of the episode, and they're preparing to beam, um, Pulaski back to the ship, and there's, Picard says that he'll do it, and not, um, not O'Brien. Presumably because there's some risk of contracting the, the condition.
1: However, but there's also the risk of just killing her.
0: Right, there's many risks. But why why would Picard be the one to do it? Because he doesn't want to either. He doesn't want O'Brien to contract the thing, or he doesn't want O'Brien to feel guilty if something goes wrong.
1: That's the thing. He doesn't want he doesn't want O'Brien to have blood on his hands.
0: Whatever the case, there's there's no reason for Picard to do this instead of Data. I, I guess, yeah.
1: There's absolutely <laughs> no justification for this.
0: And yeah. there's many times where this happens, where Data's existence is kind of an affront to logic. Mm-hmm. Which is um, very inconvenient for the plot. Uh, where, as a fan of Star Trek, you just have to, at some point, accept that... um. Data exists, and that makes everything else a lot more um, troublesome.
1: Yeah, yeah, you you do kind of have to let it go if you want that human drama sometimes. Because when you insert data into it, uh, a guy who doesn't really feel anything um, and does everything perfectly, I mean, of course, he could just solve every issue. Right, and there's no drama in that. There's no human drama, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: What's annoying is that... Oh my god, where what is annoying? Where is I going with this? Is that a complete brain the fart?
1: Data, we're talking about how data makes the 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 plot yeah. inconvenient sometimes.
0: Right. He robs everything of dramatic tension. Yeah. Um, god, I don't know. I completely completely lost it. <laughs> Whatever. It's I accept that. Like, I think we get it. Yeah, it's this isn't the biggest problem. Um I understand that. Not everything always has to make sense logically within the show because you're writing television and you just want people to be engaged. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so, fine. I accept that. But I can't stop the back of my mind from, you know, niggling
1: itself over these things. I'm a yeah, n- I'm I a mean, that's, that's fair. You are a niggler. Um, you are a goddamn niggler. Yeah, I hear that. All the time, um, I'm you know I'm I am really sick of being surrounded by nigglers.
0: So the resolution of this episode is just kind of whatever. Um, Pulaski is she recovers, she makes him back. In fact, she comes back to the ship and immediately, um, Picard just leaves the room. He's like, "All right, that's taken care of. Uh, who cares about all the other scientists down there?" Not me, I'm Picard, <laughs> and you you kind of feel that that's a little silly. We keep talking about Picard's characterization, and for him to stake everything just on Pulaski, and then to have the the tension relieve itself immediately just because she's safe. Right, right. So I'm not. It's a, a fair point. I'm not a big fan of the conclusion, other than it. I mean,
1: they, they do they do cure
0: them though off-screen off-handedly and as an
1: afterthought Well, yeah, because we hired a bunch of old people to begin with. Right. I'm not <laughs> so saying
0: we can't de-age them. I'm not saying we needed to see them be cured, but I'm saying we needed the line like All right, um yeah. Now, now, now like let's, let's hurry up and get everyone else. Right, you know, and then maybe yeah. do a time skip or at least like O'Brien, oh, you you know, you saw how I just did it. It's safe uh handle handle the rest. Something. Right. Instead of just leaving right. the room.
1: Yeah. Yes, you are correct about
0: that. 100%. Now, did you see Picard hover hand the hug with Pulaski at, at the end of the episode?
1: No, no I didn't. <laughs> 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 well, he did. Wow. He's uh, he's what the kids would call a beta. Indeed. Indeed.
0: I had a good laugh when I when I noticed that. I laughed when
1: I saw it. That is funny. I wish I... I'm going to have to go back and watch this again. The whole episode, just to see the hover hand.
0: Yeah, well, you need the context for it if you
1: don't... Have, <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Get myself up to speed. Like the film um, with Keanu Reeves. Up to speed? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, when they... they they all go to, to salute, like to stand and salute when they blow up the other ship. That was weird. Um, did you notice Will kind of pushes his ass out? No. <laughs> Talk to me. Tell me more. Well, there's not too much else to say. And, you, you know, we kind of know why he he do, he was kind of trained to do that um, over the course of um, working on TNG up to this point. But, yeah, he stands up and his, his, his ass kind of like just... Juts out like he's like kind of pushing it out for everyone to see. Distinctly uncomfortable, I would yeah. say.
0: Yeah. Now, how do you feel about them doing that, this, looting this this destructed vessel, destroyed vessel?
1: I I think that you know maybe there should have been like a little monologue or uh, maybe do something with your hands instead of just like having them um, down at, at your sides and just standing and staring at the screen. But otherwise, I guess it was fine in concept.
0: Something about it just felt weird, weirdly hollow to me. Is how I would best describe it. Yeah. I don't know. But that's the end of the episode. <laughs> that is, that is it kind of just and the thing is that we have no attachment to that ship or those characters so <laughs> when you you're like all right this is the climax it well, not the climax but it's the ending it's the resolution It doesn't resolve anything
1: it's just uh, an explosion yeah and um now now you have these kids that can kill all of humanity kind of just living on a space station or whatever yeah they should have blown up the space station they should have, yes. That would have been step one. Kill all those kids. It would have had more emotional weight. Now,
0: I know that's not the point of the story, but to be like, oh, we have to end this dangerous life form that you created because mm-hmm. yeah. it's so dangerous. Uh, you have to end this dangerous thing because it's so dangerous, yes. Um, <laughs> And dealing with the moral implications of that. I know that doesn't really dovetail with the the character stuff, Picard-Pulaski, but... um. It would have served as a better ending.
1: Well, it would have been interesting in its own way, I guess, yeah.
0: Um, well, that's gonna take care of it, then. Final thoughts? That's about it. That's about it. Um. I like the episode. I'd say it's a solid seven.
1: Yeah, I guess I'd agree with that. Sure. Yeah, um... Well, it's nice There's to be really in such agreement. Yeah, it's we. It's it's been a little while since we both kind of felt the same exact way about an episode. Yeah, and you would think that that would lead to the um, to very
0: little discussion, but you know we're about to hit minute ninety here. Oh,
1: oh man. Oh, well, no. I guess we better wrap it up then. Um, I should have some kind of question for you, but what was it? if it's
0: what did i think of this episode i already answered that but that's not a very good trivia question though
1: yeah that would be a pretty bad trivia question okay okay sockets in um so so this this is an episode full of firsts okay right it's the first episode where we learned that pulaski uh hates hates transporters um the first episode where uh, we see a Miranda-class starship in the next generation.
0: Um, I'm guessing that's the starship at the beginning? Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: Um, it is also the first episode that um, that Cole Meany's character is referred to by name. Really? Um, however, okay. he's also referred to by another title for the first time what is that title huh
0: yeah oh boy it's not chief engineer cuz that's Jordy, right head it's not it's not like transporter specialist specialist <laughs> <laughs> ah uh, you can do it i know i can that's why i'm like thinking really hard about this i it, it's it's got to be just something that he later becomes is referred to as all the time and now this is just the first time so probably what, yeah what is this fucking title um mm, i was gonna say crewman it doesn't really make sense ah seaman yes yeah, seaman Semen, bloody semen. Uh, I don't know. I give up. All right. It is transporter chief. Ah, fucking hell! What did I say? Transporter specialist. (laughs) Transporter specialist. Oh my god! You said
1: chief engineer and then transporter specialist. (laughs) Shit.
0: Oh well. Oh well, indeed. Well. I'll uh I'll have to transport myself to my local library to brush up on my smarts and get, get the next question right. I guess so. Well, in, in next week, we'll talk about another episode of Star Trek. The next generation. And uh-huh. if you care to join us then, we'll be more than happy to have you. But until then, everybody at home, please, sincerely, stay readier. The troublesome little man child. Consider that in the history of
1: many worlds,
0: there have always been disposable creatures.
1: and begin.